and Halloween and stuff and ghosts and vampires and other stuff. My name is Darian. I am back for another week of horror, nonsense, and bullshit. Uh, it goes without saying that I'm by myself again. I think we can just assume that that's how it's going to be uh, for for the not too distant future. Uh, sorry, gang. It's just me again, and uh, that's probably how it's going to be for a while. Monica dealing with shit. Buddy dealing with work shit. Me. Uh, I just have to walk into my guest room, and I'm ready to go. So you still got me. Uh, hope that's enough for you. <laughs> if not, then I'm sorry. But uh, I'm here, and I'm going to do the show every goddamn week except next week. Big announcement, as I mentioned last week. Next week, you, there, there will be no Padded Room podcast. Apologies. I'm taking the kids uh, to Disneyland, and we're going to do the, the Universal Horror Nights and all that stuff. It's going to be something. I suspect it will definitely be something. Hopefully not a complete disaster. As I uh, suspected could possibly be. <laughs> anyway, uh, so sorry about that. No show next week. Hopefully back the following week, second week in October, uh, with somebody or something. Maybe I'll get one of those real sex dolls and bring them in here. They're not going to say anything, but I will have to uh, pause the show periodically to go play with its boobies. Because I feel like that's what I would do with one of those things. Those things are like six grand. All right. Enough about me. Not that I've shopped for a real sex doll, but if I did, I suspect it would be in the neighborhood of about $6,000. I got a regular horror show to get into here, kids. I got listener mail. I got horror news. All that shit. Let's kick things off with a little horror news, you maniacs. horror news Ooh, that horror news uh let's see here what do we got we got amazon has greenlit a spinoff of the boys are we all up to speed on the boys i am i like that show it's good stuff it's kind of kind of dark and edgy i like carl urban um I feel like he's kind of underrated as an actor. And to be fair, though, he's done some real shit movies that I think have probably done more harm than good to his career. How did anybody get out of that Doom movie? Not the second one, but the first one with The Rock. That was a really bad movie, man. And somehow The Rock managed to launch a career off of that. 
Uh, I suspect it had more to do with him, you know, the wrestling thing and all that. But he was in it. He didn't do shit after that for like 10 years. And then he came back with the Judge Dredd uh, show, which was criminally underrated, in my opinion. Far better Judge Dredd than Sylvester Stallone, if you ask me. Uh, Anyway, this one's going to be college-themed. I don't know what the hell that's supposed to mean. Uh, the, the dirty superheroes in college, is that what we're doing? Some kind of a frat boy, uh, superhero situation? I don't know. I'm going to reserve judgment. I like to, I like to show the boys, so I'll, I'll give this one a shot. Uh, Censor, there's a movie called Censor and a movie called Gaia. I don't know anything about Gaia, but Censor has, has made the festival circuit and it's gotten some pretty rave reviews. Both of those movies are headed to Hulu in October as part of their Huluween uh, situation that they do every year. I like the Huluween. What they do is go and round up a bunch of independent horror, some good, some bad, uh, but it, whatever they put on there is usually far better than that uh, From the Dark crap that they put out. The anthology series, it's, uh, each one's its own movie. We did a whole month of those, and uh, none of them were that great. They were actually pretty watered down. So I'm looking forward to Censor and Gaia and uh, Huluween in general. I got some other big news. We have been waiting for a very long time for a sequel to Wormwood, Road of the Dead. Remember that one? That was the Australian zombie apocalypse where the screaming hot chick somehow managed at the end to control the zombies. Uh, been a while since I've seen it, but I remember liking it a lot. Finally, we are getting a sequel to Wormwood, Road of the Dead. This one is going to be called Wormwood Apocalypse. And there are already screen sh- uh, still shots up at Bloody Disgusting, if anybody wants to check it out. Uh, no word on a plot, though. But from what I saw of the screenshots, looks very much in the vein of the original movie. Possibly might even have seen that, that, that actress back. She was really hot. Um, so that's something to look forward to. No release date or anything as far as I know, but, uh, at least it's being made and we have proof now that it is in fact being made. So that's pretty cool. Uh, has anybody played Resident Evil 4? I know you have. I bought that one when it first came out on the Nintendo GameCube, which was a very short-lived console. It was, it was fine. I had it, uh... What else did I? Oh, that uh, the it was part. It was the Nintendo generation of uh, Xbox uh, 360 and PlayStation 2, as I recall, or PlayStation 3, I guess. But uh, it's uh, it's being adapted to virtual reality and will hit the Oculus Quest 2 on October 1st. Now, as some of you may recall, I actually own an Oculus Quest 2. And I'm thinking about picking this one up. I've got some other horror games, uh, and they all make me take a dump in my pants. Because when you put the Oculus on, dude, I got to tell you, this virtual reality shit is bananas, okay? it As soon as you put this fucking thing on and you turn it on, and if you really want to do a deep dive, you put the headphones on also, it's like you're there. You completely forget that you're in your own living room. I got a Blair Witch game. I got this other game called Dread Halls, where you basically just walk up and down these dark corridors while scary shit chases you. It, it'll make you take a dump right in your pants. And more to the point, it'll make you forget that you're standing in your living room uh, with your wife and kids 
watching you, making probably making fun of you while you do it. Uh, I'm excited for Resident Evil 4. Uh, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm prepared. I'm prepared to take a dump in my pants. I have no shame uh, when it comes to such matters. Lastly, uh, Tubi. Remember this? Uh, Tubi uh, television. Tubi is celebrating Halloween with, quote-unquote, terror on Tubi. Line up all month long for the month of October. Now, a couple of thoughts on this. We also did a Tubi month <laughs> here in the padded room. And that wasn't much better than the Into the Dark month. And the reason why, and I think this all boils down to, to horror movies being watered down and getting into this commercialization slash zero artistic soul, for lack of a better phrase or word, uh, the, the, these uh, very TVMA uh, horror, these made-for-TV horror movies. And there is literally thousands of them on Tubi. I put one every. I put one on every night. I don't know the name of it. I don't care. Uh, by the time it gets to the second act, I'm sound asleep, and uh, I wake up and there's another one on, and I kind of take a quick look at it while I'm getting ready for work, and then I leave. And I'll, I, I, for the life of me, couldn't tell you anything about any of these horror movies that have just kind of passed by my purview. So that being said, there is well over a thousand horror movies on Tubi right now. And if you start one and then drop the remote and walk away, it'll just keep rolling through horror movies, which is pretty cool. Uh, the bad news is probably the vast major- majority of them are uh, after school specials. And if, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to have one on while I was trying to operate heavy machinery. Because it'll probably put you to sleep, and then you'll drive that forklift right into a brick wall or something like that. And that, my friends, is all I have on horror news. Are you ready for some listener mail? I don't know if I am. Listener mail. Yeah, uh, I got emails and voicemails and fucking all kinds of fun stuff happening here. I think I'm going to start things off with an email coming all the way from Tokyo, Japan. All right, hold on. Here comes here comes Lonely Bob. Kevin is in the house. Subject line, creep show and votes. Uh, hey, Darian, I'll take the killer tomato as those beefsteak tomatoes come giant monster able to swallow and chew up a clown in a single bite. I mean, technically, he might be right. Goddamn tomatoes, man. As for the spooky season is approaching quickly, Creepshow became available in Hulu, Japan. And as my kids and I listened to your kids, special kids podcast episode and enjoyed it, we watched that the other night. Oh, very cool. He's talking about the original Creep Show. I thought he was talking about the Hulu show or the uh, Shutter show. Uh, kids watched occasional curse, uh, watched the other night. The stories are pretty good for kids, aside from the occasional curse and a bit of gore in some of the deaths. Most of the anthology stories are pretty light. My kids' favorite was the werewolf monster in the box. Yeah, that was mine too, uh, Kevin. Uh, I am trying. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kev, that there hasn't been any more of those episodes. I got them through Creep Show, and they hung like champs. And they came. They came on. They did the show, 
and I thought, okay, that wasn't too bad. I now I'm kind of building building some excitement. They they're asking when they can do another show. So then I put the Spookies on, which is a movie that doesn't make a lick of sense. And I'm like, all right, let's put on Spookies. Uh, they watched that, and then they got all freaked out, and now they're having nightmares and stuff. I am slowly, and I'm taking suggestion. Kevin, if you got a suggestion. Uh, but like a real, a horror movie, all right? I don't want to show them Hocus Pocus. I don't want to show them the Monster Squad. I don't want to show them, um, I don't know, Muppets do Halloween or any, I don't, yeah, hey. I want to show them a horror movie. Now, there are horror movies out there that are scarier than others. Creep Show, not that bad. Spookies, I thought, I, I don't... <laughs> I mean, uh, I saw it as a kid. I spent more time scratching my head than being scared. Um, I don't know. Give me some suggestions, Kev. And maybe if I if I sell them and I build them up to it, then maybe I can get them in for another episode. I'm going to do another episode of uh, the Pediatric Ward very soon, somehow. Uh, let's get over to Sydney, Australia. Thank you, Kevin, for writing in, by the way. Let's get over to Sydney, Australia. Here comes uh, Tim from the Horror for Dummies podcast. Oh, I got to put Kevin down for two votes for the fucking tomato. Uh, Subject line, tomato madness. Hello, you sexy beasts. Let's jump straight into it. Teradome, you know what? I'm taking the tomato, you motherfucker. (laughs) I knew this was going to happen. I have no reason why, but I want Darian to suffer because of a stupid maniac cop. Okay, see, now you're just mad at me, Tim. And there's no... hey. You can't vote irresponsibly just because you're mad at me, all right? I'd say a lot of weird shit, and you can't let it ruin your day, buddy. Uh, Darian, you spoke about The Snare last week, and I haven't thought about this film since it came out. It actually hit my top ten that year. The sound design worked so well uh, that it was actually very creepy. That's it for me, guys. Much love. Tim, hey, I'm glad you liked that one, Tim. That was actually a pretty good show, right? Low budget as shit. Uh, three knuckleheads stuck in an upper floor apartment and, uh, they can't get out of the building and there's nobody else in the building. That by itself is pretty scary because you know, they're going to run out of food very quickly, which they do. And then from there, the shit goes into like possible paranoia and you know, they don't trust each other. There's some horny stuff going on. Uh, I talked about it last week. It's definitely, I think, I think actually now that I mention it, that was one of the fucking movies that just popped up on Tubi that I was just talking about. So if you guys have access to Tubi, there's one. I got one for you. Me and Tim found one. And it's Snare from, uh, hold on, hold on, I got it right here. It's uh, from the old, uh, I'm going to tell you what year it's from. It's from fucking 2017. So if you're on Tubi, which by the way is completely free, you don't have to sign up. You don't have to put an email address. You don't have to do shit. Just go to Tubi and start watching movies. Check out Snare. Check it out. You're going to thank me and Tim for it later. Uh, Let's get over to England. Man, we're going around the world this week. Here comes the horror slut herself. Cats in the house. Subject line, beef steaks and beef cakes. Evening gent or possibly gents and lady. To answer your question about Sam Neill and why many think he's hot, it's simple. Mature women... (laughs) enjoy a well-kept dad bod as opposed to a muscle-headed kid. Well, I like the way you think there, Kat. 
I love how creepy he was in Event Horizon and, of course, his amazing dad joke in Jurassic Park. Now for the Terra Dome. I do love Art the Clown, but I'm feeling cheeky and kind of want to hear you write something for the beefsteak. So I am voting for the tomato just to be silly. Have a wonderful night, cat. God damn it, cat. Look, if you people can't be counted on to vote responsibly, then I'm going to have to start doctoring the votes, okay? That's all there is to it. I'm serious. <laughs> Thanks for writing in, Kat. Uh, let's get back here to uh, Reno, Nevada. Here comes the cowboy. Subject line, clowning around. Evening padded room. Hope everyone is doing well and someone made it in tonight. Possibly a return of Deacon's Joke Hour. Ha <laughs> Or a guest spot. If not, I still enjoy the solo shows. Real quick tonight, his work is still nuts and kicking my ass. Got to watch the old ways and really liked it. Uh, also bought Pinhead for Dead by Daylight, but haven't had time to play him yet. He is fucking tricky, cowboy. I got him too. Um, th- it has to do with the but. Th- he's got a weird mechanic to him. So, uh, for those of you that don't know, Dead by Daylight is a game that Cowboy and I play uh, quite often. As a matter of fact, probably more than I should. Uh, basically, it's a game of hide and go seek, except. Accessible characters include a lot of our favorite horror villains. Um, Jigsaw, Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, Leatherface. Um, who else is in there? Uh, other guys. They have a bunch of their own homemade killers. There's like a killer clown and a very Kayako-esque uh, Japanese ghost. Uh, there's a crazy doctor. They just recently added Pinhead. So that's cool. And when you play the game, you have the option of playing as the killer or one of the four survivors who's trying to escape this this play area. Uh, the the I guess mechanic for Pinhead is that you you're in the you're in the play area and you're hunting these guys down, trying to find them and kill them. Uh, somewhere in the play area is the actual toy maker's box, and if they find the box, they can like reset the countdown to give themselves more time. If they don't find the box, then the hooks and chains just start coming out of the uh, the ether and hooking them and slowing them down and making them easier to kill. So that's how that works, Cowboy. It's it's taken some getting used to. Uh, personally, I prefer playing as a survivor because I find the game way more exciting and uh, less like anxiety when you're a survivor. Uh, the, being a killer is very stressful. It's a lot of responsibility. Uh, also about Pinhead, uh, no clue on educate, but I feel like I should know this one, but want to say the devil's chair. Uh, no, you are incorrect, cowboy. Now for the Terra Dome, I was thinking about being an asshole and voting for the tomato just to see what Darian would come up with, but I like art way too much. Vote goes to art. Thank you, cowboy, for that. Two for art the clown. Vote goes to art, though I'm sure others will be voting to put Darian to work. You ain't kidding. Cowboy, they are in fact. Back to driving my ass off. Hope everyone has a great week. Catch you on the flip, Cowboy. Thanks for writing in, Cowboy. Yep, yep, yep. I got some voicemails here. Let's jump right in, shall we? Let's jump right in with the dozer of people that call into the podcast. Here comes the main man from Alabama. Al is in the house. Padded room, what's up? What's Hope up, everybody's Alan? doing good. Being I'm a brick here. wall's pretty cool. Thank you. 
Uh, Pterodome, give me Art the Clown, because he's tomato. Anyway, I don't know who Mr. Darian is. That's all we got. You guys have a good one. Bye. You too, Alan. Thanks for calling in, big fella. That's two more for Art. Art is making a comeback. Thank you very much, Alan. Um, nobody's got me this week. And there's a reason why, because probably nobody has seen this movie. And if you have, you probably instantly forgot about it. Um, it's another found footage, uh, fucking piece of whatever. (laughs) Let's get down to Southern California, uh, where I'm going to be next week, by the way. Uh, with Monica's pod boyfriend, it's Mr. Tom Hardy. Hey-yo! Hey-yo! Padded Room, how's my favorite degenerates this week? It's just me. I hope everyone is doing well. I'm good. I hope you got some uh, co-hosts this week, nope. Darian. Not, not just, you know, for your own sanity, but... Uh, I just want I just want to hear everyone's opinion on uh well, fucking phenomenon because it's just uh it's just so damn batshit crazy, you know? <laughs> it is. But uh, I'm glad we were able to get through the uh John Carpenter uh, apocalypse trilogy, Absolutely. you know, my appreciation on that. Of course. And uh you know, I think you're right um about the thing probably being the best of them. I agree. I think that's the best of them. Although I think my like how you were saying your favorite movie of of them was uh, Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness. Yeah. I, I gotta say, I think it's uh, in the mouth of madness. Okay. I mean that one there is just so out, out there. there. It's bananas, you know? and it's not. Yeah, I know it's not linear, and you kind of got to bounce around but with that's it. The point. You kind of got to accept some things. That's the point. It's man. not real clear. You know, is this the insanity, or is this the uh, the town, or what? You know the the evil that's awoken, you know, yeah. or is it just, you know, insanity? But I kind of like that. I, I like that. In it. I'm into so, it. Again, thanks for getting through that. Absolutely. And, uh, man, can't wait to hear you guys' thoughts on uh, Phenomenon. You know, everything from, oh, I don't want to say nothing. I'll, I'll leave you <laughs> to it, man, but goddamn. Ah, crazy. shit. Uh, okay, so anyway, on the, um, on the Terror Dome. What do you got? You know, Art the Clown and uh, A Tomato. What did you call it? The beefsteak tomato? That's what Kevin called it. I you know what, Darren? Well, uh, give it to that tomato. Oh, come the only on. reason being is, I again, I'm always about the logic, what makes the most sense. Okay. Art the clown. Yeah. Split that girl in half. What like, would he do to a tomato? Her groin to her throat, That's right? That's exactly right. And he was able to split her entire body in half. Right. But the the tomato is not a girl it's a tomato so you know in that case i see the tomato just rolling over him oh and, uh, you you know what i say fuck it tomato to the end man all right i'm, I'm jumping on the tomato bandwagon let's go he's tomato st- he's still mad at me uh, oh real quick is. you mentioned uh, you're going to be down at universal uh horror i am um hey hit me up if you're down if you got time you want to go get a drink what have you sure um, as long as it's not this weekend, so I'm actually going to be up in your neck of the woods. Oh, very uh, cool. This weekend. So, but if it's not, hit me up, man. We'll go get a few drinks if you have time. Let's I know you're probably it. busy, but, uh, you know, get you all liquored up, drop you off somewhere in a strange part of town. I love it. Outside there, and uh, <laughs> maybe you can finally fulfill your uh, 50 cent fantasy. Let's there, make Mr. some Brock. money, baby. Anyway, hope all is well. <laughs> love you, Lack family. Oh, you know what? There's something. I'm sorry. What else? I, I wanted to get to this. What do you got? Angie Pete. Angie Pete, as he is wont to do right at the end of his uh, voicemail, but he did call back 
And here he goes. G motherfucking P. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I'm sorry. There is something I wanted to get through, though. What are you looking at? Department. Yeah. Um, I, I saw that, um, what is it? Amazon is going to have a new, um, I know what you did last summer. Uh-huh. I don't know if it's a series or a movie, a remake or whatever. I heard a rematch. But you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go rewatch that. And I gotta say, I still I still stand by the first one. I still think the first one's a good flick. I, I agree. I still think it's it's fun. It's uh, the characters. You know, you, you either like them or if you don't like them, at least you're somewhat invested in them. You know, yeah. and I, I still like the first flick. It's a good flick. And the second one is yeah. the biggest fucking piece of shit, yeah. man. God damn, yeah. dude. Like Jack Black couldn't save that. Ah, man, I wanted to come through the screen and get my own hook and start killing the motherfuckers. The I get characters it. in there are just so... It's so true. I don't even know no, what. Wooden, one-sided, unbelievable, retarded, everything, man. Stere- stereotypical. So, I mean, I'd seen that second one a long time ago and kind of swore it off as never again but i said you know what it's got jack i'll give Black. it another shot you don't know, maybe. do it don't do that and that one sucked and then no. i was like well fuck it i'm this far in no you know, I'll, I'll do uh the third one which i actually never seen i've I, never I seen off the whole one. damn thing i don't know why i would clip. so i watched the third the um i'll always I, know what uh, yeah. you did last summer uh-huh. and you know what it's it's not good it's not. It's no. better than the second one, hundred percent. Oh, really? Hundred percent. It's better than the fucking second one. Okay. But uh, I kind of liked what they did. They, you know, they tried something a little bit different with it. Okay. And, uh, I mean, fuck it. I'm not ruining shit. The movie's like I'm probably not going to yeah, I'm probably not. But you know, turned them into kind of like a supernatural slasher as opposed to just you know. Oh, okay. The angry fisherman who's now somehow in some landlocked. State, I think Colorado or something. Well, that makes. I was sense. like, you know what? At least they tried something. The characters, yeah, whatever. They're not. But still, it was okay. It all was right. all right. Um, the it. other thing I got to catch is this flick on. I believe it was Amazon. Okay. It's uh, low budget. It's sixty minutes. Okay. I know what that. you're getting into. You know, it's called uh, the Stalker. Okay. And it was all right. It was uh, more nose. of a thriller, I guess, than a. Uh, a true horror flick, okay. but not bad. You know, uh, again, know what you're getting into. It's a, it's a low budget, but you're in and out. You know, it's it's literally like 60 minutes. So I, I'd say give it a shot. Uh, okay. You know, there's there's some good moments in it, uh, but it probably could have been 40 minutes, and you still would have got the same shit. <laughs> anyway, that's it. Love you like family. Bye. Love you too, Tom Hardy, you son of a bitch. You had to take the goddamn tomato, didn't you? It's a fucking tomato. Why are we talking about a tomato? How dare you? I'm clearly going to have to start doctoring the votes because you people cannot be counted on to vote logically. How dare you? (laughs) You want the tomato? I'll give you the fucking tomato. I don't even care anymore. Well, all right then. Thank you very much, uh, Tom Hardy, Alan, Cat, Cowboy, Tim, Kevin. You're all beautiful fucking people. You know that already. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. Uh, I guess I got a goddamn movie to get into here. So, shall we?
The wind, yes. The phone. Very particular wind. Typical of this part of the country. It comes from the Alps. The blasts of warm air cause snow avalanches. While it blows, there are those who say it causes madness. Have you any idea why they behave like that? Never done this before. It's probably because of me. I guess they sense the mood I'm in. See, he's not afraid of you. He won't do that for me. Ask him to lead you where the dead bodies are hidden, and he'll lead you. That fly is your magic wand. It's perfectly normal for insects to be slightly telepathic. Yeah, it's normal for insects. But am I normal? I love you. I love you all. That's right, it's Phenomenon from 1985. <clears throat> it's a funk phenomenon. A funk phenomenon. It's uh, written and directed by Dario Argento. Got a hard R rating. Stars, Jennifer Connelly, Donald Pleasance, and Daria Nicolodi. Uh, this one got 6.8 stars on IMDb, which is pretty fucking high, uh, considering this wackadoodle plot we're about to get into. Um... Yeah, man, uh, I actually have like a deep-seated connection to this movie, and it kind of goes into my personal horror history. Allow me to explain. Um, I've always been a horror fan, but I, de- I never did the deep dive. Like, I never went full off, like, into the deep end of horror and started learning about the directors and the artists and the writers and the actors and all that stuff. Um, really until I kind of tracked down this movie. So some of you guys are about my age, I think, or close to it, I hope. You might remember a funny little show on the USA Network circa probably 1989-ish or something like that. Um, It was called, I think it was called Nightmare Theater or something like Nightmare Express. It was basically... uh, a, white, a weekly show where Robert England would come out and he would basically just roll clips of random horror movies. He'd be like, ooh, here's a 
here's a series of ghosts to get your ganders up or whatever. And there'd be a bunch of, uh, you know, here's a clip from, uh, I don't know, 13 ghosts. And here's another clip from the haunting of hell house and stuff like that. And he'd come back and he'd be like, here's some serial slashers to get your blood flowing. And it'd be like nightmare on Elm street and Friday the 13th and clips from, uh, other fucking, uh, the prowler, whatever. And that was basically it for like a half an hour. But I tuned in every week. I usually recorded it. And one of the movies that they would frequently show clips from is Phenomenon. And I kept thinking to myself, what the fuck is that? Uh, You got a guy chained up and then he kicks Jennifer Connelly into a weird sludge pit. Uh, There's a monkey with a razor blade running around like a shaving razor. You know, but all I'm getting is these clips so I at the end of the, the show, it would run down a list of the movies that they showed in Phenomenon, Night of the Demons, um, I think Terror Train. That was like their three favorites. And they would just take chunks out of that and roll them into pretty much every goddamn segment they ever played. But uh, I knew Night of the Demons. I knew Terror Train, but I hadn't seen it. And uh, I could never track down Phenomenon. And the reason why I couldn't track it down is because at the local warehouse records and tapes where I rented my videos, it was there, but it was called Creepers, which is the alternate title for this. So every week I went into the fucking warehouse records and tapes looking for Phenomenon. I see the Creepers and I'm like, well, that's a movie about killer insects. What do I care about that for? And then, you know, that was it until eventually by mistake, pretty much I watched phenomenon and holy shit, there's, that's the movie I've been looking for. So anyway, that's the story of how Darian came to know phenomenon. And I actually have a, uh, Dario Argento box set over here and that's how I came to watch it last night for this movie, for this show. So jumping right in, uh, we got, <laughs> we got a lot to unpack here, boys. We're going to start off in Switzerland cause, uh, why not? At a bus stop, okay? Now, uh, apparently bus stops are wildly different in Switzerland than they are here in the United States. First off, way cleaner. And uh, instead, like here, you go to a bus stop, uh, there's usually like a homeless guy taking a leak behind you and uh, another guy reading a newspaper and a drug deal happening somewhere. Over there, it's, you, get, you get the Alps is what you're looking at at the bus stop. So the bus rolls up, picks up a bunch of people, and then leaves. And then this poor uh, 16-year-old girl, give or take, goes running out because she just missed the bus and she's trying to flag it down. Now, a couple of thoughts. And I don't mean to berate this movie at all. Like I said, I I have a special place in my heart for Phenomenon. But a couple of thoughts here. Uh, She missed her bus, which means that she was somewhere nearby doing something when the bus came and went. So normal human reaction would be to just go back to wherever you were before the bus came and wait for the next bus or hang out right there. I don't know how familiar she was with the the bus schedule, but if you hang long enough, there's bound to be another bus. At least that's how buses work here in the United States. And I think most of the civilized world, I don't know for sure. Uh, Instead, she just goes wandering off into this mountainous Swiss Alps kind of a thing and uh, goes into an abandoned house. And she's like, hey, it's not abandoned, though, is the thing. And she knows she there's like furniture in there. So she just lets herself in. And she's like, hey, I need some help. Somebody help me. You got a phone. Now, funny thing about this, <laughs> this particular scene and this whole sequence. 
Number one, this young lady cannot be a day over 16 at the time of filming. Number two, she is wearing a sheer white shirt with nothing underneath. You can see right through that fucking thing like it wasn't even there. Uh, Nipples, boobies, the whole nine yards. And number three, and this is kind of the even stranger part, the young lady in question is played by an actress, uh, Fiore Argento, the lesser known Argento daughter other than Asia. Uh, Fiore Argento actually went on to do a lot of like uh, behind the scenes stuff for her dad, costume design, set design, things like that. She's still very prominent in the, in the well, in the film community. Um, she's not a big star like Asia, obviously, but still. Uh, just thinking about the dynamics of this scene, Dario, you've got the 16-year-old, your 16-year-old daughter playing this damsel in distress. Uh, we didn't have to see her boobs, uh, but we did. Um, and I don't know what the legal age of boob showing is in Europe or Switzerland or wherever this movie... Anyway, it's kind of weird, is all I'm saying. But Dario's been known to put his naked daughters in movies before, so I'm just putting it out there. It's a little strange. Uh, She's walking around the house trying to get some help. Uh, Eventually, Giallo-style, a killer shows up and chases her around with a pair of scissors. Um, Apparently, behind the house is a very scenic waterfall and like a a nutsack uh, tunnel system that I guess came with the house because she's just running all through the house and the killer's chasing her with a pair of scissors and he's or she's got some black gloves on, as a giallo killer should. Uh, and then eventually, there's like a window that goes out over a waterfall. Uh, so the killer starts stabbing her, and then her head goes through the window, and a loose piece of glass comes down and decapitates her, and her head falls off into the waterfall, and uh, that's it. That's how our movie opens. Very interesting. I'm into it. Now, um, at this point, watch if you're watching this for the first time, you're walking in thinking, oh, it's a giallo, which it is at certain times. At other times, it's something completely different, and we're just going to have to write some stuff off because there's some stuff that is not going to make a lot of sense. Okay, so that's the beginning of the movie. Now we're going to cut to, um, well, I think he said about eight months later, okay? Uh, somebody has recovered the severed head and given it to the local inspectors who have taken it to a local uh, entomologist, a guy in a wheelchair named John McGinley. Not John McGinley. Hold on. He's played by Donald Pleasance, and the name of the character is none other. He's got an Irish name, which is weird because he doesn't really have an Irish accent. He's got an English accent. Uh, He plays uh, Professor John McGregor, okay? He is a entomologist. He knows all about insects. They've presented him with the severed head, and looking at his uh, uh, the like the larvae and the maggots and the mealworms crawling around in there, he has deduced that the head might have been uh, severed uh, from the body roughly eight months previous. But it's been in the bottom of a lake, and uh, they had like a weird uh, summer season to where the the hot wind blew and. Uh, so flies may not have gotten to it. Uh, it is, I don't know. I don't know. He's got a whole scientific rundown of what the fuck with this head. 
based on the maggots and the uh, larvae inside it. So very cool. He also has a monkey, uh, Professor McGregor, because he is paralyzed and in a wheelchair. And by monkey, I know what when you say, Darian, he's got a monkey, you're thinking like the little monkey shines monkey, like the little spider monkey guy. No, he's got a full orangutan that is well-trained and I think possibly romantically uh, interested in the professor as well. There's a lot of heavy petting going on. Uh, he's got a goddamn monkey, man. But she's well-behaved. I think uh, her name was Lucille or something like that. Very, very cool. Whenever you put a monkey in a movie, the movie is better, okay? That's, that's like a law of Hollywood. Put a fucking monkey in there. You're, you're immediately going to get a, a positive reaction. Everybody loves monkeys, Except maybe that lady in Florida that got her jaw slapped off. Um, that being said, it's, okay, there's a fucking monkey. So now we have a lead on uh, who the young lady was and where she came from. And uh, we have her severed head, which is now being studied by an entomologist. Now we're going to cut to the next day. We have a very young, very attractive Jennifer Connolly arriving there in Switzerland. Now, I don't know how old Jennifer Connelly was in 1985. Hold on. I'm going to tell you while I look up her birthday. She was 15. She was 15 years old. She was born December 12th, 1970, which makes her 15 years old at the time of the filming of this movie. Very attractive. Jennifer Connelly has never not been hot, has she? Like, even as she's gotten older and had kids and stuff, she's still screaming hot. Dude. I'm going to go off on a rant here. There is a ridiculous fucking movie uh, where she spends the night in a Target or something like that with Frank Whaley. Uh, Career Opportunities, I think it's called. Um, it's dumb as shit. Don't worry about it. But she is in a wife beater the entire movie. And there's one, <laughs> there's one scene. <laughs> if you've seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. About halfway through the movie, Dermot Mulrooney shows up and tries to rob the place. And he's holding uh, Jennifer Connelly and Frank Whaley at gunpoint. And him and his disgusting criminal friend make her ride one of those uh, coin stop uh, horses. You know what I'm talking about? That are always outside the supermarkets. They make her ride that for like 40 minutes while they watch <laughs> It's dumber than shit, but it's still kind of hot because it's Jennifer Connelly and a wife beater. Anyway, she rolls up. She's 15 years old. Uh, she is going to an international school for girls there in Switzerland, and that's why she's there. Uh, we're going to find out in a few minutes that she is the daughter of a famous movie director, and uh, he's paid for this whole thing because he's going through a divorce with her mom, and he has to work. He can't look after her. Her mom's uh, off with her new lover somewhere, and it's a whole family thing. We're going to get into that in a second, but they're rolling up. Uh, now, already, I'm getting shades of Suspiria here, right? Because it's very Suspiria-esque. We have some a foreign school. We have a young lady that's there to attend. Strange things are afoot at the weird foreign school of whatever. So, here she comes. We meet the headmistress, who's a bit of a bitch. Uh, her flight got delayed so she doesn't get to the school until the middle of the night which again is very Suspiria-esque um we meet her new roommate a young lady by the name of Sophia or Sophie excuse me who chain smokes but apparently that's perfectly acceptable in Europe I think it may actually be encouraged 
in 12-year-old girls. She's smoking the entire movie. Uh, we meet the headmistress, uh, who is, of course, played by Ilsa, she-wolf of the SS, as every headmistress of every girl's school is ever played by. Um, she's a bit of a bitch. She's like, hey, get your ass to sleep. Uh, we're going to run you through your classes in the morning. So there you go. And Sophie's like, oh, my God, you're the daughter of what's his name? Uh, something Shapiro. He made my favorite movies. And she's like, yeah. And these two girls, uh, we meet Jennifer Connelly's character is oddly enough named Jennifer also. Kind of bond for a quick uh, half hour before they have to turn the lights off. And, uh, you know, they're going to be good friends. But that night, Jennifer does a little sleepwalking. And before she does, Sophie tells her about a local murderer. There's a local murderer here in the Swiss Alps girls school. And he's been killing uh, people here and about. So Sophie goes to sleep after she smokes a pack and a half of cigarettes. And then uh, Jennifer goes on one of her sleepwalking things where she gets up and just starts popping around the school, checking shit out. Uh, Apparently, she's completely unconscious. She makes her way up to the upper levels. And as this sequence is going on, we're going to jump back and forth to another sequence where some poor young lady is running around out in the woods and uh, our killer with the black gloves is chasing her. But this time, the killer isn't using scissors. He's got himself like a uh, fucking... I don't know. It's like a do-it-yourself spear kit where it's made out of stainless steel and you got to put it together like a pool cue. Except it's got a fucking Bowie knife at one end. So he puts this thing together, or she, and he's chasing her around and eventually she runs back into the school. I guess the upper levels of the school are completely dilapidated and falling apart. Uh, While that's happening, Jennifer sleepwalks her ass up there and kind of intersects with the girl that's being chased. The girl that's being chased eventually gets cornered in one of the upper rooms and killed. Uh, While (laughs) that's happening, Jennifer steps on some loose lucite or something, and her footing crumbles off the balcony, and she falls, but she gets suspended by her bathrobe for like three minutes, and she's just dangling there like, woo, look at me. And then she comes out of the bathrobe when it rips, and then she tumbles down a hill and somehow ends up in the middle of the town, okay? uh, Apparently, that was a hell of a tumble. Uh, She comes to, and she's like, oh, shit, I'm in a fucking town all of a sudden. What the hell? Uh, She starts staggering around. Naturally, a couple of meatballs (laughs) run her over with their car. So these two meatheads get out, and they're like, oh, my God, what are we to do? And then the other meathead is like, I think we should fuck her. We have to. It will save her life. So they pick her up. Mind you, she's 15 years old at this point. Pick her up and put her in the car. Uh, they start driving off. And then she's like, comes to and she starts squirming. Hey, let me out of here. Let me out of this fucking car. By the way, they're driving the 1985 uh, version of what we now know to be the Mazda Miata. So it's a two-seater convertible. She's sandwiched between these two fucktards. Eventually, she's like, get me out of here. And she just pops herself out. She goes tumbling down another hill. And the guys are like, oh, no. What are we? We were going to fuck her to life. And then eventually, they take We have to go. The cops will come soon. So they take off. <laughs> I love these Dario Argento movies where he just rounds up random Europeans and shoves them into movies. 
Who knows what that fucking accent was or what it was supposed to be, but it was great. <laughs> uh, so they take off. Now, she's down at the bottom of this ravine in her jam jams, and she's like, oh, Jesus, what am I going to do now? And this is where we find out that she has this bizarro connection to insects. Here comes a, a little buzzy, uh, I don't know, like a fucking moth or something. And she's like, oh, little fly moth on my hand. Hey, little fly. And then uh, I guess the fly somehow leads her back to the school. And then we find the dead body the next morning. And she has to have like uh, a series of tests done on her. So they put her in one of those brain strap things from Ghostbusters. And they're going to run a brainwave thing test on her to make sure she doesn't have a fucking tumor. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with this poor girl. It's her first day at school. They got her strapped down to a table and they're wanting to like uh, check out her brain. So clearly something is a foul here. For the point of this podcast, we're going to assume that she's okay and that they find nothing because nothing's ever brought up. But we do get to meet one of her teachers, a curly-haired young lady who is always moping around the background and kind of making half-ass excuses for Jennifer. Uh, Now... If we want to keep our right foot in the world of the Giallo, we will start becoming suspicious of all these innocuous characters. Because if Dario is choosing to follow the standard Giallo formula, then we know that we're going to find out in the third act that our killer is an innocuous character from the first act. Somebody that we met only briefly, maybe had a quick line or two, and then dipped out of camera. Somebody that we're not so supposed to suspect, but us being, of course, horror veterans know how this game is played. So, if you're thinking this is a giallo, now's a good time to start looking at these little uh, side characters that are beeping around the school here. Regardless, um, <clears throat> the rest of the girls around the school are already talking shit about Jennifer. Uh, Jennifer and Sophie have a continually growing relationship and, you know, they're kind of bonding and stuff like that. Jennifer wants to get the fuck out of there. She doesn't want to be at the school anymore. She finds it weird. So she calls her dad and her dad, well, she tries to call her dad, calls her, ends up calling her dad's agent or something like that. It's like, no, I can't get you out of there, dude. So the next night, uh, again, Jennifer pops up and starts sleepwalking, goes out in the woods, farts around for a little bit ends up at our entomologist's house, uh, Professor McGregor. Uh, she's like, oh, whoa, oh, hey, what? The monkey finds her, and he's like, okay, come on, come on back with me. I'm going to take you to the entomologist's house. So, of course, if a monkey comes up and takes your hand, you're going to follow the monkey. Don't act like you're not. I'm going to follow the monkey. I don't care if the monkey leads me off a cliff. It's a fucking monkey, and it's taken me somewhere. I'm assuming there's a pot of gold or um, a a long-lost relative that is in some danger. If a monkey comes up and grabs you, you're going with the monkey. Don't lie. She agrees with me, Jennifer, and she takes off with the monkey. The monkey takes her back to the entomologist's house. Uh, It's cold outside. He's a kindly old man. He lets her in. He realizes that Jennifer has this weird effect on bugs, and he's got bugs all over his house in these weird atrium situations. Uh, So as soon as she walks in, all the bugs and the crickets and the bees and the fucking floop-de-doos and the whippersnaps and whatever the fuck, whatever these goddamn things are in the cages, they all start going bananas, right? They're all crawling around and 
zipping and buzzing and all kinds of things. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, sweetie, uh, you're having some kind of an effect on my bugs here. And she's like, oh, yeah, I love bugs. And they love me. I think, you know, they've always taken care of me. And uh, insects are just, they're kind of my jam. And he's like, well, they agree with you. So he gives her like this little beetle guy. And the beetle like crawls right up her arm and makes himself at home. And he's like, that beetle is really hostile. I thought he was going to bite you. But instead, he's giving off pheromones because he's, you got him, you got him all hot and bothered there, Jennifer. And she's like, yeah, I love bugs. Oh, and he's like, okay, well, uh, uh, what you should probably head on back to your school there. I'll give you a coat. We're, we're going to find out. Jennifer's going to ask the entomologist about this killer. Uh, he's like, yeah, man, uh, they, cops brought me a severed head. There's a killer on the loose. Uh, one of my old students, a young lady by the name of Rita, used to come here and hang out with me all the time. But the killer got her, man. She disappeared. We're pretty sure the killer got her. So who's this fucking killer? I don't know. Uh, it's pretty creepy shit. And... Uh, yeah, there's a killer on the loose. So you should now, Jennifer, walk back to your school through the woods alone in the middle of the night with, with a fucking killer on the loose. That's what you should do, babe. And that's what she does. From there, we get a couple of days worth of her getting fucked with at school. Um, uh, the headmistress basically decides that she doesn't like Jennifer. Jennifer keeps trying to get calls into her dad to get her the fuck out of there. He's not answering because he's on set or whatever, so she's talking to his agent. Uh, we get some half-assed bullying, like, uh, the one girl's like, hey, Jennifer, and sticks her tongue out at her. I guess bullying has come a long way since 1985 because I would, my, my kids would probably find that cute. Oh, look at that. She's wanting, I think she wants to make out with me or something. I don't know. But uh, that's all well and good. Uh, at one point, the headmistress decides, all right, she's sleepwalking again. I don't really want her in my school anymore because she's a liability. Uh, so she rounds up all of her favorite girls and she's like, hey, we need to get Jennifer the fuck out of here. I don't know how we're going to do it. So one of the girls infiltrates Jennifer's room when Sophie's not there. Starts poking around, reads a bunch of letters that Jennifer was writing to her dad. In one of the letters, Jennifer describes about how, like, she can control insects and, you know, insects love her and they just cling to her and shit like that. So all the girls are like, ooh, hey, Jennifer. Bzzz. And they, like, chase her down into the main entrance and they all, like, do, like, a weird bullying kumbaya circle where they just kind of circle her and they don't really touch her or anything they just start chanting bullshit at her and stuff stuff like that and she's spinning around going no stop it leave me alone no no and because her emotions are getting all heightened um basically i i have to assume that she's channeling her insect energy or whatever it is because all of a sudden it gets really windy in there and you know that because Jennifer Connolly's hair is blowing around behind her and then you look at the windows outside and they're now like barricaded with bugs trying to get into the um uh, fucking the girl school and there's a big cloud of bugs outside so that's pretty freaky all the girls are freaked right out oh shit she really can control the bugs that's kind of a thing that's kind of a creepy thing from there uh, the headmistress comes down and breaks the whole shit up. And it's like, oh, we're going to have to call a uh, pesticide guy for the fucking bugs. You're crazy. Uh, Sophie, that night, decides she's going to sneak out and uh, have a little fun with her boyfriend, whom 
is in the active duty military at the time, which means he's at least 18. There's a lot of weird statutory stuff going on here, kids. I don't want to judge because I know it's Europe and it's 1985, but that's a little weird. Anyway, uh, she sneaks out. She's supposed to be keeping an eye on Jennifer. Jennifer's like, hey, man, I got to get some fucking sleep. Please make sure I don't sleepwalk up out of here tonight. Can you do that for me, Sophie, please? Oh, yeah, sure. Just like fucking Johnny Depp in uh, Night of, uh, uh, Goddamn Nightmare on Elm Street. I almost said Night of the Living Dead. Uh, oh, yeah, sure. Of course. Her boyfriend comes tap-tapping on the window. Instead of watching Jennifer, she sneaks out there to make out with him, which she does. Boyfriend leaves because he's got a report for duty at 0600. Uh, and she's like, fine then. Bleh. And then here comes the killer and uh, chases Sophie around and eventually kills Sophie with the weird uh, do-it-yourself spear kit. So that sucks. I really like Sophie. She needed to quit smoking, though. That's bad. That's bad for you. Um, that's pretty gnarly. At this point, Jennifer wakes up, suddenly realizes that she's short a roommate, so she's like, all right, all right, fuck this, fuck this place, fuck these girls, fuck the headmistress, uh, that one teacher with the curly hair is pretty cool, but I gotta get the fuck out of here now. So she just walks, just takes off walking, tries to catch the bus, misses the bus, uh, goes to the entomologist's house. He's like, well, I've been working on trying to find the killer again. And she's like, oh, yeah, the fucking killer killer got my uh, roommate. As a matter of fact, I'd like to find his ass also because I've had about enough of his bullshit. Uh, while that's happening, he's like, okay, uh, here's a fly from that weird severed head that I found. He puts it in like a clear box and he's like, follow that fly. <laughs> so she's got a house fly in a clear box. So she's like, that fly will lead you to the killer. Uh, maybe we should not send the 15-year-old girl after the killer there, uh, Professor. Just thinking. So she's like, yeah, I'm going to take this fly and I'm going to go find myself the killer and then I'll call the cops when I've got, you know, when I got something. So she gets on the bus, uh, t- got the fly in a box. Uh, she gets to one bus stop and the fly starts freaking right out. So she gets off the bus lets the fly out of the box, and the fly leads her to the house that we're going to recognize from the opening sequence when Dario Argento's daughter with her nipples got killed. Um, It's the house. It's now completely abandoned. There's no furniture in there. She goes in and starts poking around. Hey, uh, is anybody here? I don't know. There's like holes in the floor. It's all beat up looking now. Eventually, some real estate guy comes in. He's like, hey, and he gets all grabby with her. He's like, hey, come over here. Well, I'm going to talk. What are you doing here? You, I'm going to sell this house. <coughs> I don't know if this is the direction that he was given. If Dario pulled this uh, poor actor aside and said, hey, grab yourself a handful of Jennifer Connelly. Or if he was just the opportunist, the opportunist and said, I got to fill myself up a uh, 15-year-old Jennifer Connelly. But that's just what he did, man. He got very rapey. And, uh, eventually she gets free. He doesn't actually rape her, but he's very grabby. Uh, she gets free and goes hauling ass out of here. And he's like, God damn kids, you stay out of here or I'll have you arrested. Uh, after that shortly, uh, one of the cops comes and he's like, Hey, you know, anybody lived here at this house or what happened to the people who lived here? He's like, it's my house and I'm going to sell it soon. Okay. Um, that's all well and good. Unfortunately, at this point, Jennifer has lost the fly. Uh, 
The fly went into like a crack in the house, and she was just on the point of digging through the crack when creepy realtor guy showed up. So she's like, all right, well, it's got something to do with that fucking house. Uh, tell you what, this is all too much for me. I'm going to get my fucking dad's agent on the phone. He's going to wire me some money or a plane ticket, and I'm getting the fuck out of Switzerland, going back to L.A. Peace out, y'all. So she goes and she makes a bunch of collect phone calls. Eventually, she gets his fucking asshole on the phone. Uh, he's like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll wire you some money so you can get out of there. Uh, tell you what, just go to the, the Bank of Switzerland or whatever. I'll have it wired there. Uh, you'll have the cash. Get yourself a plane ticket. Come on home. Okay, great. So she goes to the bank and she's hanging out there. And he hasn't wired her any money. And like two hours go by, still no money. Four hours go by. As a 15-year-old girl, she got nowhere to go in Switzerland. Uh, she's refusing adamantly to go back to the school. Like six hours go by. The bank teller is just shrugging his shoulders every time he looks at her. And she's like, God damn it. She's about to get the agent back on the phone when a uh, individual with black leather gloves shows up and puts a hand on her shoulder. And she's like, hey, what the fuck? And it's the teacher. It's the teacher with the curly hair. And she's like, oh, hey. Uh, what are you doing? She's like, Hey, look, man, uh, Jennifer, I am sorry. Uh, your father's agent called us, said you'd be here, asked me to come pick you up. And she's like, I don't give a shit. I'm not going back to that school. No way. No fucking way. Am I doing that? Uh, uh, impossible. And the teacher is like, okay, uh, your father's agent said that that might be a thing. And he has authorized me to buy you a plane ticket, uh, back to the United States. So let's, Head on over to the airport. We'll get you up out of here and uh, we'll mail you your suitcase or something. I don't know. So that's the plan. Uh, as they're leaving, uh, she checks the times on the flights on the phone. The teacher does. And she's like, ah, shit. Uh, sorry there, Jennifer. Bad news. You missed the last flight out of Switzerland tonight. Uh, we can get you one in the morning. Uh I don't know. Let's go back to the school, I guess. And she's like, nope, I'm not going back to that fucking school, you crazy bitch. So the teacher's like, okay, okay, okay. Look, you can stay at my place tonight. I'll run you over there first thing in the morning. All right, how does that sound? Okay, let's go. Sure, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's go back to your place, teacher of kids that hate me and probably want to kill me. So they go back to her place. It's this big, like, Swiss chalet castle looking thing uh she's like oh it's a you got a big house here uh miss teacher you you live here alone no it's me and my son okay great let's uh he's a little boy he no problem so she goes in there and uh she's like okay well this will be your you stay here in this little study and uh jennifer's like okay as they're you know like she's showing her around and stuff now one of the things this is a little clue that I just casually left out, is that um, when Jennifer woke up after Sophie was killed, she found a glove in her room that had maggots in it. She took that glove to Donald Pleasance, who, by the way, has since been killed by the killer. The monkey tried to save him, but the killer got in and shanked him with that spear thing. Uh, the monkey, however, <laughs> is now on the loose, and uh, has found itself a straight razor in a garbage can. And is we now have a monkey on the loose in Switzerland with a straight razor. And is probably looking to jack somebody up because somebody killed uh, her favorite entomologist, I guess. So there's that for you. I know I just skipped over all that shit. 
But there you have it. That's part of the movie too. This, like I said, man, we have a lot to unpack here with this movie. A lot of things happening. So, uh, from there, uh, Jennifer's like, oh, yeah, it's cool. She goes into the bathroom and, uh, the teacher's like, hey, I know you're probably stressed out. There's a pill on the bathroom in the cabinet. Go ahead and take that pill. It'll help you sleep. Uh, you'll wake up bright and refreshed and we'll get you on that plane. Jennifer's like, yeah, okay, sounds good. Goes in there, takes the pill. As soon as she takes the pill, she starts looking around and sees all these little maggots on the uh, towels and shit. So she's like, motherfuck, those are the fucking maggots that were in the glove that the killer probably left in my room. So the killer is probably close. So she very quickly manages to make herself vomit up the pill that she took. Good idea. Uh, As that's happening... The teacher is like banging on the bathroom door. Hey, let me in there. Hey, I want to know what's going on. What are you doing? What's going on? And Jennifer's like, I'll be right out. I'm having a female thing. <coughs> uh, eventually, Jennifer opens the door. and The teacher's like, hey, what the hell were you doing in this bathroom? She's like, nothing. I had a drink of water and I took that pill and it's all good. Unfortunately, the pill that she vomited up is like lodged in the sink drain. And the teacher sees it. She's like, you bitch. But then, just as that conversation is going down, the police inspector rolls up on the scene and starts banging on the door because he wants to ask uh, the teacher some questions. Oh, okay. So she's, the teacher's like, hey, you fucking Jennifer, you stay in this room and you don't fuck around. Jennifer's like, yeah, okay, great. As soon as the teacher leaves, Jennifer jumps on the phone, starts trying to call somebody. Uh, the teacher lets the inspector in. We don't know, really know what happens from here, except that we hear a lot of screaming, and very soon we're going to run into the inspector chained up in the basement. So apparently, somehow, the teacher uh, overpowers the inspector, kicks the shit out of him, and chains him up in the basement. Uh, unfortunately, Jennifer is now locked in that room, and the teacher took the phone out of the room. Jennifer's trying to, like, do a fish hook to get the phone from, like, one of its... It's like oh, that old school architecture where the the door had a, like a window above it. Uh, you don't see that shit anymore. But anyway, she's like balanced herself on the above door window trying to fish hook the phone. She accidentally knocks it into a hole in the floor and it goes tumbling down this crawl space. Oh, shit. While that's going on, for reasons unknown to anybody other than Dario Argento, her dad's agent shows up in Switzerland with a gun. And he's like, I'm going to get that fucking girl, uh, assuming he's there to somehow rescue Jennifer or get her out of there. I don't know why or how he came to the idea that she was in any danger whatsoever, but we'll have to write that off. Uh, At this point, Jennifer manages to fall out of the, the above door window and she goes crawling into the hole in the floor through the crawl space, trying to get to the phone again. Okay, that makes sense. Makes sense. As she's doing so, uh, the phone, unfortunately, uh, can't be used from the crawl space, but she crawls all the way through into this elaborate tunnel system, and there's like an underground World War II bunker down there, dude. Yeah, we've gone full back to Nazi Germany with this shit, and uh, she's like looking around, holy shit, there's like a whole apartment complex underneath this house, and it's like a bunker, and uh, she's looking around. There's all these little side rooms and shit. Uh, She goes into one room, and that's where she finds, of course, our inspector, who is chained to the wall. He's had the living shit kicked out of him. And just beneath him is like a weird 
uh, sludge pit, I guess, for lack of a better term, but it's got body parts floating around in it. The inspector's like, hey, hey, I'm here to help you. But Jennifer's like, oh, God, get off me. His face is all jacked up. Oh, God, screaming, freaking out. Here comes the teacher running down because now she knows where Jennifer is. Runs down there, kicks Jennifer into the sludge pit. Boom, yuck. The sludge pit, um, it looked to me like a kiddie pool full of cornflakes, which I believe were supposed to give the illusion of maggots and some uh, Home Depot Halloween decorations floating around like skulls and shit. It's fine. She's flopping around in there. Uh, the teacher is like standing above the sludge pit cackling at her. <laughs> she laughs for a good six minutes. While that's going on, the inspector manages to get one of his hands loose, uh, grabs the teacher and chokes her out, and then beats her up pretty good with his other hand, like hitting her with the shackles. So, good for you. Glad she's out of the equation. Jennifer makes her way out of the sludge pit. The inspector runs off. We assume that the teacher is dead at this point. Jennifer is now back in the weird apartment corridor where she's trying to find a way out. Uh, About halfway down there, she hears uh, a kid crying. So she's like, what's up? Uh, she ducks her head in there and she sees a little boy facing the corner, bawling his eyes out. So she's like, oh my God, I'm, hey, buddy, I'm making a big escape here, kid. Why don't you come with me? We'll go find your parents and stuff. So she creeps up on him. He's like, hey, come on, let's go. We got to roll. Uh, he turns around and this kid is only what I can describe as a junior pig demon. He's got a like the face of a pig with like some demon eyes and he's like, Aah! Jennifer's like, oh, I gotta go. So she goes all the ass out of there. I don't know how about how best to describe the pig demon kid, but that's about it. Uh, she somehow makes her way into like a crawl tunnel that she crawls out of, finds herself overlooking a lake, which has uh, a pier underneath it. So she jumps on the pier. Goes hauling ass out there. There's a boat at the end of the pier. Jumps on that. She's trying to get the motor started on the boat. Demon pig boy is following her. And now the demon pig boy has the do-it-yourself spear kit. So we know that either him or his mom are the killers. Probably him, but his mom was killing other people to cover up for him. I don't It doesn't really make, make any sense at all. Uh, Jennifer manages to gas up the boat. And she's pulling away from the dock. When the pig demon boy jumps on the boat with her. Now, he's doing like a pitchfork kind of, ah, I'm going to get you with the, the spear thing. The boat is just flying across the lake. Uh, at some point, somehow, uh, the gas can gets kicked over. She jumps off the boat. Well, first, first thing she does is summon her insect horde. Okay, so big cloud of bugs come and swarm demon pig boy. He's like clawing at his skin, trying to get the bugs off him, ends up falling in the lake. He's like, okay, good. Fuck that kid anyway. Uh, Unfortunately, in the struggle, though, the gas can got knocked over, which somehow causes an explosion of the boat. And uh, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe uh, maybe that was she was smoking some cigarettes or Sophie popped back up and she's like, hey, let's blow a boat or something. I don't know. The fucking boat explodes and Jennifer has to jump off or she's going to get put on fire. So she's swimming through the water as the lake itself is on fire. And Jesus Christ, Dario, we got a whole lot of shit going on here. She's underwater while the lake is on fire above her. 
half-dead demon pig boy d- tries to attack her. Now his face is even more jacked off from, you know, clawing at it with the bugs. He's trying to get at her from underwater. Jesus Christ. She's like, get the fuck, get back. She manages to swim to the surface outside of the flaming lake. She's like, whoo, holy shit. Did you fucking see that? <laughs> what the fuck is going on around here? She's like, all right, God damn, I made it somehow. She starts walking up this little uh, ravine, probably to get back into the house, maybe find the inspector. Up pulls the agent with a Glock 45, and he's like, Jennifer! And she's like, oh, Shapiro, or whatever his name was. And he goes running towards her, and she goes running towards him. And at the last goddamn second, because this fucking movie could not possibly be over yet... Teacher mom jumps out of the bushes with a Silent Hill sword and decapitates the fucking agent. It's like, what the fuck? I thought her face, she was she was beaten up pretty good by the, the detective. Now she's like on top of Jennifer and she's trying to cut her head off too while delivering this big diatribe about how that, that was her son. Uh, everybody hated him. Uh, she had to protect him. What was she to do? She loves her son. Nobody else does. He's an evil pig demon with a do-it-yourself spear kit. Jennifer's trying to fight her off and keep this Silent Hill sword off her neck and out from the bushes pops a monkey with a straight razor who slices up the teacher pretty good and then Jennifer and the monkey walk hand in hand uh, down the road. And that, my friends, is the end of Phenomenon. I got a kill count of six on this bad boy. It is a very busy movie. It is a full hour and 56 minutes and there is not a second to lose. <laughs> In that hour and 56 minutes, we are going to cram all kinds of horror elements in there. We got some uh, underage nipples bouncing around. We got some bugs. We got a monkey. We got a kind of a giallo-esque slasher. We got an evil demon pig boy. Woo! Holy cow. (laughs) It is something to see. Do I think it's a good movie? It, I I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I can watch this one maybe once a year, tops, because it is a full two-hour movie, man. And there is a lot in. It, it's something. It's not something you can have on in the background. It's something you got to sit down and stay engaged in. Because if you miss something, you're gonna be all fucked up, and none of it's gonna make any sense. Not that any of it really made any sense in the end, anyway. But goddamn it, Dario, we love you. I love Phenomenon. I say check it out. You can find it, um, I believe it is presently on Hulu. I happen to have the hard disk, of course. Uh, There's a number of Roku horror channels. This one is pretty easy to find out there. If not, I'm sure it's on uh, YouTube. Check that shit out, inmates. You will thank me and Tom Hardy for it. In the meantime, I got to take myself a little break after that. I feel like I need a cool down or something, you know?
Hey, inmates. If you like what you hear, head over to the Padded Room Facebook group and support us through the patron link with a small monthly donation. Check out the T-Villain link at paddedroom.podbean.com and grab some t-shirts. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. And I am back. Uh, I think it's everybody's fantasy to own and train a monkey, but... Judging on the amount of people that have actually followed through on that fantasy, I don't think it's a good idea. I mean, you could get like a smaller monkey, but when you get into like a, the well, first off, I think a lot of those are endangered species. Training a monkey, the, how, what, what are the logistics of that? It cannot be an easy thing to do. Uh, but like big orangutans like that, like chimpanzees, dude, they're the boss. All right. You, they might. They might take a liking to you for a year or two, but the, from what I understand, the older they get, the more dangerous they get. And all it takes is for them to perceive you as a threat once, and they may not go for the straight razor like this particular monkey. They'll just break your fucking hands off and slap you until your jaw uh, flies across the room. You don't want it, man. They're cute. They're fun. Sometimes in movies, they're fun. Um... I don't know, man. I, I just feel like as, as much fun as they look, the the risk-reward analysis is... No, no, no. No with the monkey. I don't think so. I don't think so there, monkey. I'm sorry. How about we get into the Terra Dome, you maniacs? No tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. I'm not going to hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains. I'm going to bash them right the fuck in. I'll kill you all. I'll try to be crazy. I'll kill you all. I'll dream come true. Six-year-old child with this blind, pale, emotional face. The Terradome. <clears throat> no fights this week as we have just closed out our preliminary round, but we will get into last week's winner. Jesus Christ. Last week we had the Killer Tomato versus Art the Clown. <sighs> the party was over and the frat house was empty, except for the soldier the clown, and a few young ladies, all in restraints. As the tomato regained consciousness, he realized the clown's intentions. Torture and murder. The clown had, however, not known the strength of the tomato super soldier, and he was soon to free himself. 
Now the clown would know the pain he'd inflicted on others. With a vote of 8 to 5, the killer tomato advances over Art the Clown. That's what you wanted, huh? That's what you wanted? You wanted another round of killer tomato? Okay. All right. Fine. That's what you want. That's what you get. Uh, No matchup this weekend, mates, as I just mentioned. What I will do, though, is disclose next round's matches... Uh, as a whole, the, uh, what do we call them? The per lemon? No, the, um, semifinals, right? Let's take a look. In the Asylum Conference, we're going to have Freddy versus the Creeper, Pinhead versus Jigsaw, Pyramid Head versus the Tall Man, and Candyman versus Kayako. In the Inferno Conference, we are going to have the Tomato versus the Mummy. The Maniac Cop versus Leatherface, the Wolfman versus Sill, and Angela versus the Xenomorph. Uh, fights will resume in two weeks from now when I get back from my little vacation. Uh, yeah, things are heating up in this year's tournament, boys. I think uh, I think some underdogs are going to come into play here. A lot of weird matchups. Really didn't want to have to write another thing for a fucking tomato, but whatever. Whatever, I don't make... Well, I did make the rules, but I don't decide who wins. That's your job, goddammit. In the meantime, how about I tell you about what movies I got to watch in a little segment called What Are You Looking At? What are you looking at? I only got a few movies in this week. I did get to watch Malignant from 2021. This one's streaming on Netflix. Uh, I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad. I'm, I'm a little ups. I'm not furious at it. I didn't care for the reveal. Um, I thought I'm not going to ruin it for you, but when you find out who the killer is and what he's up to, yeah, I... <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I mean there I've seen worse, but this was kinda this was kinda silly, really. <laughs> I don't I'm not gonna give it away. I know a lot of you haven't seen it. Uh some of the action sequences in this movie were absolutely bananas. And you're watching it and you're thinking, well, how does that make sense? At the end it'll kinda halfway make sense, cause I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna explain it to you. Um it felt very much like a uh like a world of darkness underworld kind of a situation, you know? Uh, the I think the movie takes place in Seattle, so everything's rainy and dark and gothic and inner city downtown Seattle, so a lot of, like, fire escapes and all that shit kind of comes into play. It's a very James Wan atmosphere. It's not bad. I'll say it's not bad. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. Ending is a little wackadoodle in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> excuse me, I watched that, and I watched uh, The Block Island Sound from 2020. This one is also streaming on Netflix. It's pretty good. It's um, <clears throat> It reminds me a lot of The Beach House, um, just but with a much more psychological bend to it. Some A little bit on the Lovecrafty, a little bit on the, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, The Bay, you know what I'm saying? Whenever you get into these weird seafaring horror movies, uh, you know that whatever is coming out of the ocean is bad. 
But sometimes the ocean is a ruse for what's really going on. So think about that. That one's a pretty good show. Um, definitely worth checking out. It, you got to stay to the end, though. You can't weave in and out of it. So that's all I'm looking at, kids. How about we get ourselves into uh, a little immersion therapy here, shall we? Immersion therapy. Yeah, buddy. We watched uh, the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1956. We found this bad guy on Amazon Prime. Uh, Kevin McCarthy. Was that his name? I believe it is. Um, you see him. He starred in this one. He played the doctor that was trying to convince everybody of the Body Snatchers. Uh, but what you don't know, you, as soon as I saw that guy, I've seen this before, but it had been a long time. And as soon as I saw him, I thought to myself, fucking, I know this guy from somewhere. Kevin McCarthy played the quintessential 80s rich guy villain in like every third movie from 1987 to 1992. He was the villain in Inner Space with uh, Martin Short and Dennis Quaid. He was the villain in UHF, the Weird Al Yankovic movie. Remember that one? Um you see, he, he was in those movies. Obviously, he was an old guy, but in this one, he was uh, a handsome young doctor trying to save the world. Kind of weird. And when you see these these old actors that we know and love in these classic movies when they were young and handsome, it kind of throws you off a little bit because it takes you a minute or two to realize who you're looking at. But uh, other than that, it's a good show. Um, I had planned on watching the 70s version with Donald Sutherland and then the 90s version with Nicole Kidman. I didn't get around to the other two, but I did watch this one. It's uh, not bad. It's, um, you know, exactly what you'd expect it to be. You probably haven't seen this one, but you did see one of the other iterations. The other versions get very convoluted and soap opera-y with the doctor and his love situation and fuck it. What? If it, weird divorce things. It, in this one, stories were simpler back then. People are being replaced with very reasonable facsimiles thereof, and we got to stop that shit, and that's all we need to know. We don't need to find out about the divorce. Although there was a funny line from this movie that kind of rang true at one point. Uh, the doctor is getting out of the cab, and he stumbles upon his hot old friend that he, they were sort of together with at once, and... She's like, you know, I went to Reno once. And he was like, oh, sorry to hear that. I went to Reno, too, about five months ago. Apparently, back in those days, Reno, which is where I'm presently sitting, was the divorce capital of the world. And that was really the only reason to come to Reno was to get divorced. So, so in the off chance that you should meet somebody and they should announce loud and proud that they've been to Reno, that means they're a recent divorcee, apparently circa 1956. So that's a little fun fact for you. Um, it's worth checking out if you're in the move, mood for some black and white classics. Your immersion therapy for the next two weeks is going to be Sea Fever from 2019. This son of a gun is streaming on Hulu. It's got Connie Nelson and Dugray Scott in it. Check that shit out, inmates. We will do the same and compare notes when I get back. In the meantime, we also have to educate 
me. Educating Miss Monica. My clues from last week. Um, I am the son of a famous director, and he keeps inviting me over to dinner parties with his eccentric friends. Uh, This one happened to include a somewhat annoying guy that is hell-bent on making a uh, documentary about this old mental institution, and I think he's trying to fuck my girlfriend. Either way, he's convinced me and my girlfriend to break into this abandoned institution with him. And when you know the goddamn place is haunted, and here comes a bunch of bullshit, I'm talking, of course, about Greystone Park, which is a found footage movie that is not very good, uh, directed by Sean Stone, Oliver Stone's son. And he plays himself, and Oliver Stone shows up in there, and that's how he introduces him to this other nutsack. And off they go to get butchered in an abandoned mental institution while he's trying to nail your girlfriend, you knucklehead. Didn't see that one coming. It's very forgettable. We actually covered it here on the show. I believe it was episode 200 and something. It was a while ago. It's not really worth a watch unless you really are jonesing for some shitty found footage action. Who might I be this week, you ask? Well, that's a good question. Well, I am a pretty attractive, pretty popular 16-year-old girl who has gone missing uh, on a school field trip. And uh, that's the bad news. The good news, though, is that my body was recovered a few days later in a body of water. But that's where the real mystery begins, because we have some weird shit going on. Uh, I may or may not have been nailing the neighbor. I may or may not have returned from the grave to haunt my old family. Um, my younger brother may or may not have faked that haunting shit, or did he? And my mom may or may not have had like a psychic premonition. And I may have encountered my own dead body. Holy shit, think about that, inmates. How, how, how crazy would it be to encounter your own dead body? I don't want to know. I don't want to know what I look like. I, I hope that if I should, that I would still be in decent shape. Like if I encountered my own dead body and I was a big fat fuck, I'd have some questions. I'd be more, hey, whoa, what the hell happened to me? I mean, I'm dead. That sucks. But Jesus, did I stop running or did I? was there like a new all-you-can-eat buffet that I really liked? What the hell happened? Anyway, all right. I'm going off on a tangent. Uh, consider those clues and I will clue you in in two weeks from now, inmates. In the meantime, thank you very much uh, for joining me this week by myself again. Join me next week. We're going to be doing Ghost Month for the month of October. Unfortunately, I'm going to short you a week, but I think I'm going to make it up to you with some kind of a double feature situation. So join me next week for Oculus from 2013, kicking off October in the padded room. Ghost Month, baby. What better time of year for ghost stories than October, right? Uh, Hit me with your ghost movie suggestions or your Pterodome picks or any movies you've seen. Whatever the hell you want to talk to me about or possibly somebody else if I get in here. Uh, The Mental Health Hotline, of course, is area code 775-387-0275. 
Email is thepaddedroom2011 at hotmail.com. Website is paddedroompodcast.com. That's where you'll find our Patreon link. Month of December is wide open if anybody wants it. $5 gets you a Padded Room travel mug, Padded Room t-shirt, plus the control of December. And uh, I think that's about it, man. Thank you guys again for joining me. I will see you in two weeks for Buddy in Absentia, Monica in Absentia, Ghosts of October, fucking Killer Tomatoes. Never thought I'd mention that as an adult, but all right, Killer Tomatoes, um, other fucking killer vegetables. I don't know why they never came out with a killer broccoli. I find broccoli much more intimidating than tomatoes. And the Padded Room Podcast, I'm afraid visiting hours are over. Oh